Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show on the Compete Network powered by Clue, podcast for product marketers and compete pros looking to give their companies a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today is the first of our Compete Week replays. We're gonna be sharing some of the top sessions from our big event, Compete Week, a few weeks back, and we're kicking it off with none other than Nick Zagelski and Kaim Narani, who joined me to talk about how to dismantle competitors throughout the deal. And they're gonna be sharing it from a seller, an AE perspective. If you don't know Nick already, well, then you're living under a rock because he hosts the most popular sales podcast in the world, 30 Minutes to Presence Club. And if you do listen to this podcast and you likely already know Kaim Narani, he is an AE here at Clue, one of the best sellers I know, and one of the best storytellers too. So they each share their perspective from the sales lens on navigating deals with competitors. There's a ton of applicable things that you can pull if you're in product marketing or enablement working with the sales. It's always important to have both perspectives in this. If you haven't actually checked out all the Compete Week sessions, you can head to our community and catch all of them on demand. We've got hundreds and hundreds of hours of Compete content living in that community. And as well, if you haven't checked out the new website for the Compete Network, Go check it out. Let us know what you think. We've got new shows coming up. We've got new shows on there already. TheCompeteNetwork.com. TheCompeteNetwork.com. Love what the team has done with it. I'm stoked to be sharing it out. So please check out that as well. Um, but let's head straight into this conversation with Nick and Q. Thank you everyone for joining us on the final session of day one at Compete Week. And I am joined by, as we mentioned there, Kaim Narani. A A at Clue, one of the best sellers I know, and Nick Sigelski of 30 Minutes to President's Club, the most popular sales podcast out there. And we're talking all things competitive selling today, guys. Fired up. Let's do it. Let's do it. You don't have any raisins stuck in your teeth, which makes me happy. <laughs> I know. I brush, I brush thoroughly. Um, first things first, Q, when we were doing a prep call on this, you mentioned you actually like having competitors in your deal why there's a lot of reasons i like having competitors in my deal it actually tells you a lot about where your buyer's at in the evaluation process so if your buyer is not looking at any alternatives it may just be that they're really early on they're kicking tires you may not want to invest a lot of time and effort into that deal if a buyer is evaluating every single vendor on the g2 grid then they're probably trying to figure out or don't have a really good understanding of the problem they're trying to solve if your buyer is looking at you and some of your direct competitors, what that tells you is it's a serious evaluation. There's a serious problem that they're looking to solve and they've already done the pre-research to identify which solutions might be the best fit. And that gets me excited. That's where I want to spend my time and energy and help educate my client and potentially solve their challenges for them with our solutions. It's actually really interesting. I'm even thinking about the the buyer who's looking at every single company on that G2 grid and they've got like a list of, yeah, we're looking at 30 different folks. Even that is a really cool opportunity for you, Q, to say, hey, like, you know, there's a lot of different ways you could sort of solve what it sounds like you're focused on. Like, would it be helpful for me to give you a lay of the land of sort of the different directions folks go when they're thinking about solving something like this? And you can actually start to set yourself apart really, really early when something like that happens because um, you can teach the buyer the market landscape. And then you start to come across as a trusted advisor or consultant as opposed to absolutely a product. Totally. And it gives you the opportunity to educate your client on 
what the solutions or what the best solutions for their problems might be. That very well might not be your solution, right? And you don't want to spend time trying to sell them something that's not going to solve their problem. So to build that credibility and trust, point them in the right direction. When they face the problem that you obviously have articulated to them that you solve at that point, they're going to come knocking on your door because they trust you and they know that you're not going to sell them something just for the sake of selling them something. So, yeah. yeah. For folks in attendance too, we're going live, as you can tell. Questions in the chat. We'll get to any and every question you guys have. As you all know, I like story time here. So I thought, Nick Q, best way to start this session, share with me your favorite competitive deal story. Could be a win, could be a loss. Um, and why it's your favorite story. Oh, man, you can't expect me to talk about a loss on here, Adam. Uh, I only <laughs> win deals. I never lose deals, obviously. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, I actually won a really cool deal recently that I was really proud of. And the reason I am proud of it is because at one point I had actually lost the deal. So my prospective client had came to this new organization from a company where they used one of our direct competitors. And not only that, he had a great experience with them. So coming into this evaluation, I felt like he was almost just doing his due diligence for the sake of doing his due diligence. And I did my best to educate him, consult him and really be that trusted advisor and help him just learn how he could do things better at the end of the day, kind of tool agnostic. Um, and even through that, his leadership at one point decided to go with the competitive solution. So I got the, you know, we're going to go in the other direction. We're breaking up with you kind of thing. But something about how I felt with my client just made me feel like I could just continue to just build this fire that we were the right fit for him. So I continued to work with him you know, we had that conversation where he was telling me why they went in another direction. And really what happened was we just had a really great conversation where we reinforced the reasons why we were the better fit. And at the end of the day, what he ended up doing was walking into a meeting with his C-suite and recommending that they move forward with us over the competitive solution. And they ended up signing a three-year deal with us. So that is definitely my proudest competitive win ever. Um, and hopefully I can recreate some of those in the future. Nick, I'm keen to hear what you got going on? Yeah. That is awesome. I mean, that is stealing victory from the jaws of defeat right there. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a, a story that's almost, uh, I almost had uh, defeat stolen from the jaws of victory from me. So this was when I was selling, uh, I used to sell ERP software to big law firms. And there was this deal that I had just like, I knew, I knew, I knew that I'd done a slam dunk job on this deal. And we were getting all the way to the end and we'd gone through proposals. We were like so close to being like, yup, let's move to the, the vendor review contract. And I'll never forget, I got on a Zoom meeting with the CFO of this law firm, who is the main person that I've been working with through this like 18 month long evaluation that they've had. And out of the blue, she's like, you know, I hate to tell you this. I think we were priced at like 10K a month. Out of the blue, she was like, she hadn't talked about this competitor at all in the deal. And I'll never forget the name of the competitor. The name of the competitor was Coyote Analytics. <laughs> and she goes, reaches under her desk and she pulls out a stuffed coyote, like the swag that this company gives away at conferences, like a little stuffed animal. And she's like, you know, by the way, you know, we're also talking to Coyote Analytics and they're half the price of you and they do all of the same things. And she was like, can you help me out on the price here? And I was like, 
whoa, like, I had the ability to discount, but I wasn't getting close to that number. And I remember thinking, like, okay, I'm in that moment, and I'm like, do I drop drop my pants on price? I'm still not going to get there. Do I, like, trash talk this competitor and start to say, wait, but here's all the reasons we're different, better, etc. And then I thought about the thing that she said to me, which was they're half the price and they do all of the same things you do. Wouldn't a logical human being take that deal? And so I said to her, I said, well, gosh, Christine, like, if they're literally half the price and they do everything that we've shown you in all of these demos and meetings, like, I hate to say this, like, you, you probably should take that deal. No, 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 Nick, but, like, we really like you, and you you all actually have this thing that we didn't show. I'm like, oh. So I was so proud of myself because I didn't crack under pressure, and I thought about the reality of the situation, and I did something that I think a lot of sellers are afraid to do and a lot of sellers um, lie to themselves about, which is there's other ways to solve the problem that your product, service, whatever solves. And it might be a competitor, it might be doing things on spreadsheets, it might be doing things in-house by hiring another person, but excuse me, when you accept the reality of the situation, which is you are not the only solution out there, and all of these folks you compete with, they're in business for a reason, they help folks, it's okay to push away and actually suggest alternative courses of action. And if you've done your job building value, selling value throughout the sales process, if you've really done a great job, when you push away, they're going to be like, wait, no, actually, here's why we like you. And you know that's your competitive differentiator that you should be leaning into. So I was really proud of, uh, I don't know, standing up and standing up for myself in the moment. And so I've never forgotten that one. It's like that idea of the, of the pendulum, right? Like there's times where you need to feel confident pushing your buyer in another direction. And if they truly feel like you're the best fit, they will come back to you. And you know what? There's two learnings in both of these stories, I think, Nick. It's when you're in a competitive deal or in any deal, ask early if the buyer is evaluating any other options and ask often because you could lose a deal at any point, right? Which is mm -hmm. exactly what happened to the competitor that I was facing. So very important, always be on your toes. Competitors can enter the deal at any moment. They could be touching any one of the stakeholders that you're working with. So you always need to be on top of everyone, multi-thread, and just, yeah, don't ever let up. So how do you ask in a way that's not like, so what of my competitors are you evaluating at this stage in the deal? How do you like bring up competitors in, a, in an artful and natural way throughout the deal cycle? Yeah, totally. Well, I think it, it, this obviously depends on the industry that you're in, right? Because I know in some industries like cybersecurity, for example, buyers are going to be much more um, hesitant to share the alternatives that they're looking at in my experience. But in my space, you can just ask. Like I just, in my first meeting, I always ask, hey, are you evaluating any alternatives? Would it be helpful if I share how we differ from these other solutions? And again, I want to know if they're looking at alternative solutions because it gives me insight into how serious they are about this evaluation and how serious I should be in educating them and selling them. Because if they're really, really early on, Maybe I do want to take a bit of a step back and give them a higher level demo to educate them on what we do and the problems that we solve and let them come back to me when they're really kind of funneled down on that problem. But if I know they're looking at direct competitors of ours and they have a clear problem that they're looking to solve, now it's game time, right? Like we want to get in there and we want to win that deal. So 
I just, I, I want to ask, it's very natural, you know, just ask your buyers, are you evaluating alternative solutions? Worst case is they're going to say, we don't feel comfortable sharing, right? And maybe you can dig into that if you want to, but you know, you're never going to get something that's going to burn your deal just by asking that question. I've got, we've already got a ton of questions going off in the chat here without DRM. I want to like kind of dig in a yeah, little bit more on that. Um, what Paul Senatori asked as well, what are, what are your like go-to talk tracks when a prospect does bring up a competitor? Like, let's say he says, for example, like what if it's like mid-sales cycle? I know Nick, in your example, you're saying this is, you're at RFP process. You're, you're dotting the T's crossing the I's. What are some of the ways that you kind of build a talk track that's going to be able to address that and not the oh crap competitors entered the chat? Yeah, I think... We actually have to go one level higher on this because if all I'm doing is knee-jerk reacting to competitors in the deal, let me think about how I beat them, I have lost. Because deals are won and lost not on how you dismantle competitors. Deals are won and lost based upon how well you do your discovery and like actually understand the problem and mutually get to a place with a customer where they understand, oh, Clue is the best solution to solve this problem. And so you actually have to go one level higher. And if you think about what you're doing on a discovery call, there's two things happening. One is you are attempting to understand what does this person, organization care about? What matters to them? Classic discovery, right? I'm trying to ask questions and understand everything that's in my buyer's brain. But that's only half the battle because Q, you've talked about a couple times teaching educating the buyer on, hey, here's some of the different things you might consider when you're evaluating something like this. And so there's two pieces of what goes on in a discovery call. It's you need to understand their um, self-diagnosis of the problem and what they need to solve that problem, what matters to them. But you also should be teaching them throughout the sales cycle the things that they might not be thinking of that actually matter. And so if I do this effectively, I get to a place where I understand the things that the customer really, really, really cares about. But then I also should understand the stuff that maybe doesn't matter as much to them. Example, when I sold accounting software to law firms, we would have some law firms that operated internationally. We had other law firms that only operated in the U.S. And if you think about accounting software, the ability to operate in multiple currencies was something that some systems could do and others couldn't. And what I sold, the software I sold, couldn't operate with foreign currency. And so when I was up against a competitor that could help with foreign currency, if I was talking to a law firm that was only in the US and they would say, hey, we're also looking at this big competitor, they're awesome. They're really, really great for multinational law firms that need to be able to do their books in multiple different currencies. I don't know. Is that important to you? I saw you only have offices in New York and Chicago. That's a micro example here. But instead of dissing the competitor, what I want to do is figure out what's the stuff that doesn't matter to them and compliment the competitors on those things. So that's one strategy you can use. Oh, I love that. And you know what I really like about that is what you're doing is you're walking the buyer into them themselves discovering what the right solution is for them, right? Like you're asking them a question that will get them to tell you why you're the best fit for their problem, right? Which is really funny. And um, Paul, by the way, love Paul, great competitive intelligence leader in the space, awesome question. Um, 
when I hear about a competitor in my deal or when someone brings it up mid-cycle, I get really curious, to be honest. And I think there's really two paths that you can take as a seller at that point. You could immediately get defensive and start to talk about why you're better than that competitor and go down this road of feature dumping and get really aggressive. And I've lost deals because of that. Because then to your point, Nick, you're sharing all this stuff that your buyer might not even care about, right? Mm -hmm. So I think taking a step back, getting really curious and trying to understand why were you looking at that solution? What did you like about them? What problems did they solve for you? Um, And it just reinforces your understanding of what your buyer cares about. And then you're able to uniquely position your software in a way that will solve their challenges, right? And it allows you to be much more narrow focused, show less product, be less overwhelming, and ultimately educate and consult your buyer at the end of the day. So yeah, I think curiosity as a salesperson is so, so crucial to being effective. There's a, you mentioned there this, this being the, and Nick, I think you mentioned this off the hop too, being the educated seller, the educator, consultative seller. I'm putting these funny years up because I hear that term a lot. I'd love for you two to share What does that look like specifically? What, what does that look like in a deal to be a strong consultative seller, to be able to be competitors? Q, I know you mentioned that you've had examples of this in your past. Like, What does that actually look like for you? Yeah, I think I've been fortunate to have been in this space for quite a quite a while, and I've worked with with lots of buyers. and And through that, I've really tried to educate myself on the concept of competitive intelligence and enablement as a whole. And I think me being genuinely curious and learning things from every conversation that I have with different prospects and different experts internally or different um, customers allows me to share those learnings with my clients. So one of the things that I always, always try to do in my conversations is teach my buyers something that they may not know. And if you can do that, you immediately earn so much trust and credibility with them. And it's even better if it's tool agnostic, right? Help them do their job better right now, regardless of whether they use a tool or not. And I promise you, it's like that pendulum moment where you're saying, hey, even if you don't buy a tool, these are some of the things that you can do to really improve your program. And you're almost pushing them away a little bit, but then they're coming back to you because they're like, wow, this person knows so much about competitive and they can teach me more and more. And I truly, truly have clients who tell me that they learn things in our conversations. And that's the most fulfilling thing to me to be able to have what's a considered a sales conversation. But at the end of the day, my buyers are learning something and they want to speak with me again. Um, and one of the other things you can do to be really consultative is you're not the expert at everything, Right. So if your buyer wants to learn about your onboarding process, bring in a VP of onboarding or one of your customer success leaders. They can educate your clients better than you can, right? If they want to learn about a specific product offering or something on your roadmap, bring in your VP of product. Let them educate and consult your buyer because there are people who are better suited to speak things than you are at the end of the day. So um, Nick, I'd love to hear what you've done in that sense as well. Yeah, I mean, I think... One of the things that I'll plus one you on is being able to share product agnostic or company agnostic content. And I think a lot of salespeople over rotate on consuming content designed for salespeople, meaning they obsessively listen to 30 minutes to President's Club. They're scrolling their LinkedIn feed looking for the latest sales tip. And actually, I think the best way to be a phenomenal salesperson is to consume the content, consume content that is designed for the folks that you are selling to. Meaning, right? Like go to one less sales webinar a week or listen to one. Read your own blog. 
Where, yeah. Uh, go. Oh, I like to, you. Go to um. You know, go listen to a podcast that's designed for CFOs of law firms, which at first it's going to be like a foreign language. But what will start to happen is you start to learn the the, the language that your buyer speaks and you're going to hear concepts that all of a sudden you can say, hey, like Mrs. CFO, like I actually listened to a podcast recently that talks about one of the things you mentioned here. Let me share this with you. And when you can start to point them to the content you're consuming in their industry, it is so much better than, than like memorizing another Chris Voss accusation audit talk trap. Like consume the content your buyers are consuming and you'll pick things up that you're like, ooh, that actually is going to help me in a deal. Let me start to share that. The other thing too is just like have a conversation with your buyer. These meetings are not presentations. They're not question and answer periods and discovery. It is a conversation. Just go back and forth and enjoy it and share what you know and learn from your client and just, you know, it'll snowball, I promise. Yeah. Um, on, on that note, we've got a couple of questions coming in as well here. Uh, one from the top, actually, from Mara. Do you, either of you have an example of where you had to adapt your strategy mid-cycle to overcome something a competitor was doing, saying, promising. Oh. Q, do you want to go first? Oh, man, yeah. That happens a lot, honestly. Um, One of the ways that competitors will differentiate is not just based on their products, right? It's on their go-to-market strategy and the way that they communicate their offering to the buyers, right? So, you know... For example, we may launch a pre-sales consulting exercise that our competitors then have to adapt to. And the same thing happens to me at times, right? Where I'm going through a cycle and all of a sudden our competitor throws out some crazy pricing and packaging um, offering that they haven't been throwing out. And it's something that I'm not aware of. And at that point, what I do is I just take a step back because I can't answer that question or solve that problem right away. I need to do some discovery, figure out what's important to my client, um, do that whole kind of take a step back, be curious moment. Go back and consult with your internal experts. We're fortunate to have a competitive intelligence leader, Brandon. He's phenomenal. Um, and he'll help me figure out the best way to solve these problems at the end of the day. So the best way I can uh, share how to adapt mid-cycle, and I've definitely had to do that with the pricing example for sure, is um, consult with other folks. Don't try and solve these problems on your own. There are other people within the business that can help you and that can help you figure out different ways to to kind of adapt and and ultimately win the deal. Do you want me to answer? You want to take another question, Adam? Well, we've got we've got a couple minutes left. Nick, if you have a good one for this, feel free to drop it or I'll give you three rapid fire things. So go go um, one, orient around what the customer cared about in discovery and what you taught them matters in discovery. So always orient around that. Two, do things that your competition cannot Example, I used to sell against Thomson Reuters. I was a 100-person company selling against this massive company. We'd bring our CEO into key deals. Thomson Reuters wasn't going to do that. They couldn't. Those deals were too small for them. Um, Get in person or even better yet, bring them in person to your office. I guarantee you, if your prospect comes to, I think you're in Vancouver, Adam, and checks out your office and meets the team, you are going to win that deal and your competition is going to be on the back foot. So there's three, maybe four things folks can do immediately. That's why you just got to bring other folks into the deals and help help sell your client. More touch points, more experts, more consultation at the end of the day. It works. 
What I love, Q, about that, it actually is, is kind of full circle from the keynote with Mark this morning about sort of the pre-sales, post-sales divide, the chasm that happens amongst revenue leaders, kind of go-to-market teams. The way that you're selling in pre-sales are bringing in onboarding, bringing in that CS expertise, that you're already bringing them along the the customer journey, the expectations are being set. You're building exactly. through this path. Um, we've got one final question here that I want to get to before we wrap up on day one. Uh, Hunter had one about navigating a situation where your prospect used a competitor product, was a com- an advocate for a competitor. I know you mentioned off the top, but Nick, have you ever had a situation like that as well? Yeah, I certainly have. I think what Q talked about earlier is a great way to do some discovery. What did they like? What didn't they like? Well, why are they even talking to you? Because if they had such a phenomenal experience, wouldn't they have just bought them right away? Gosh, I'm curious, Mr. or Mrs. Customer. <laughs> Curiosity is key. I'm telling you. I love this. Um, we are up on time, actually. That was a very succinct but valuable answer. We didn't get to every single answer in the chat. I'm annoyed by that. That means we're going to have to do something after we're the call. we do a little bonus, Adam. Maybe we'll have to answer some questions and send them out to the folks after. We'll leave folks hanging with some anticipation. I know. We're marketing it now. Um, Q, Nick, this was so much fun. appreciate you joining us here and for folks tuning in on day one of compete week favorite time of the year christmas for folks in compete and sales and make sure to tune in tomorrow to day two we got cmos and more compete sessions uh thank you again everyone